Are you between the ages of 18 and 29? Or are you a member of the church who's interested in feeding into the life of someone between the ages of 18 and 29? How do we connect young adults to faith? That's the question we're asking over the next couple weeks in this Care Ministries podcast series on ministering to young adults. We'll be joined by David Wildman, as well as several other guests as we explore this question. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Care Ministries podcast at Brookwood Church. We are so grateful that you are here with us. We are on week two of our series on young adults in the church. We wanted to let you know about the young adults ministry that's happening here at Brookwood Church, but also explore how can the church engage with young adults, how can we encourage them, and how can we learn from them. It's not just about the church feeding into the young adults, but the young adults are the future leaders of the church and our nation. So how can we learn from them? That's what this is all about. And last week we had David Wildman in and he talked a little bit about his position here at Brookwood Church and what he's doing for young adults. So David is back with us. Good morning, David. Good morning. Hey, we are glad that you are here. And I'm Josh Masters, the Associate Care Pastor, and I'm also here with Gene Beckner, who is our Care Pastor here at Brookwood Church. Hello. Is that enough of a pause? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. And we are also here with a set of our young adults here from Brookwood Church. And we are so excited to have you guys here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, And to make sure that I get- You're very welcome. That's very Uh, polite of you. To make sure that I get your names right, I'm not going to say them. So (laughs) I'm gonna have you introduce yourself. And because we are talking about Generation Z and millennials, we consider young adults to be the upper end of Gen Z and the lower end of the millennials. So why don't you introduce yourself, say how old you are, and how long you've been coming to Brookwood. Um, So I'm Dylan. I've been going to Brookwood for 11 years, and I'm 21. Welcome, Dylan. Hi, I'm Hunter. Um, I'm 21, and I've been coming to Brookwood for about nine years. Hi, I'm Marissa. I'm 23, and I've been coming to Brookwood for about 10 years now. Hi, I'm Sal. 21, and I've been coming to Brookwood for probably five or six years. Yes. Sal is also known as Spider Sal. Oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> here, here we <laughs> go. And I'm known as the Bat Pastor. So after yes. we film this podcast episode, we're going to have a little Royal Rumble. There will I be like a, that. There will be a battle. Spider <laughs> Sal versus Bat Pastor. Yes. We'll see who comes out on top. Yes. So I wanted to say, for those of you listening, there's lots of myths about young adults. And I think we're going to talk about that today some. We don't want to just talk about what we think the myths are. We want to talk to you guys and say, what do you think are myths about your generation that Generation Xers like Gene and I and Baby Boomers boomers. and the Baby Boomers need to know so that we can all work together in growing the kingdom. But the first thing that I wanted to point out is a lot of people think that Millennials and Gen Z are always late and lazy and don't show up. But all these guys were on time and early. early. And they were ready to go, and you're the first guests we've had that aren't intimidated by all the technology in this room. So that is very good. Um, so that myth is busted, right? Right go off us. the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Busted. Gross. We're myth busting here. We're so good. Um, but another myth that we wanted to start off with is it's commonly felt in the American church that millennials and Gen Z are leaving the church 
in droves. Yet here we are, a whole room full of people, and all of you are engaged. All of you are a vital part of the church. So what do you feel about that myth, and what drives you to be so involved in the church here at Brookwood Church? Well, I feel like I've seen a lot of young adults, close like whatever our age, being more involved in the church. I don't know if it's come from going to Clemson or from just being around here. I feel like a lot of teenagers and older adults are getting more into it. And for me, I know that coming here and having a place for where we can actually go and worship and fellowship together for our age, because kind of that awkward phase between student ministry and adults. So it's nice to have a place to come and worship with people who are more like you, like going to college and just kind of in that phase between adulthood and children. Yeah, so I was raised by two baby boomers. One's more on the far end and one is more on the lower end to your guys' generation. So um, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think I agree with Hunter. There's a lot more going in droves to church, but I think we both, she went to Clemson, I go to Clemson. There's a lot of kids coming in that I feel like are kind of in this weird spot where either they grew up in a church and didn't like it. Like I grew up Catholic and it's a very structured and if you do one thing wrong, you're wrong forever. And whereas knowing the true gospel and like coming to church here and listening and learning is it's not like that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of kids that go into college that are lost and kind of on their own, especially going far away from home and finding a community is one of the big things, especially for me, being able to find a community and at school with different organizations and then coming here and the young adults starting around that time is nice because you have, like Hunter said, fellowship and people that you can worship with and talk to. And it's you're not by yourself, even though you're in this intermediate place between still being a child and playing pretend life at college and then going into real life. So when you guys talk about having a place to go worship with people your age, you're talking about the young adult ministry at Brookwood, right? Yes. Is that what you're referring to? Okay. Just want to make sure I was clear on that. Because that's, you know, a lot of churches don't do that. Um, they don't have a separate worship time, but you guys are saying that that's something of value. Mm-hmm. Would you all? And you're all involved in that, correct? Yes. Okay. Anything else about what you feel, why you feel like millennials and Gen Z are leaving or why that's the um, the myth that's being pushed? I think I know why it might be a myth. I, I, it probably goes along with like the general um, model for like a millennial is kind of free thinking and does their own thing on their own time. And especially for college age kids wanting to get out of the grip of their parents and the structure of their life and go to college and be free. I think that's a big reason. And that's not to say that there aren't kids that I know at Clemson that will go to parties, but still go to church on Sunday and be active. I think there's like a fine line and some people walk it very well and some people don't. You either kind of like, was something that was brought up this past Sunday about your flesh and how um, that those things can consume you more than your spiritual side will. So I think it's just having a foundation as a part of it, but especially if you go to school and you're trying to make your own way in life and there's so many things around you, it's kind of hard to s- settle down, I guess, and find faith and find a church family, especially if you're far away from home. 
And it sounds like, and Gene, you, you touched on this a minute ago, but all of your answers sound like part of the reason that you feel like you can be engaged is because the church is offering somewhere for you to be engaged. So that kind of makes me wonder, the churches that are saying, oh, the millennials, the Gen Zs, they're leaving in droves, maybe those are the churches that they're not offering anything of value to to that generation. Do you think that that's true? Yeah. Like, I have friends from college that their church that they go to is like a new church that started out, and it's all, like, people their age. So it's like their whole church is just of young adults. Mm. It's like people just married and just starting families. And so there was a couple months about two years ago where I started going to her church a little bit more. I never, like, really got fully connected, but it just felt better because it was a lot of people around my age. And then I started interning here, so then I kind of got brought back here, and then I was really glad when this started. I feel a lot for people who have left, the young adults who have left, it's really for the people who haven't grown up in a church because I didn't, I didn't really grow up in a church until like early high school probably. That's when I started going and started getting involved in it. Um, they come into this new thing, especially college-age kids. Like They go to college and they see some of their friends go to BCM or any of the church groups in college, and they kind of go to this and they're like, I don't know anything about this, and it's kind of scary. And it's like, do I really want to uh, agree to this? Or do I really want to believe in this completely because it's, it's all or nothing kind of thing? That's a really interesting idea of what you just said, the idea that not everyone from your generation is brought up in the church. So sometimes when Gen X and baby boomers are, quote unquote, complaining about the younger generation leaving the church and not having a dedication to their faith, like that really is tied to the fact that the generation X generation isn't mm-hmm. as dedicated to their faith and passing that on. Yeah. 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 Some of them aren't really used to going to church every Sunday and really kind of being getting involved into something like this. They never had to do that. They were never raised that way. So I'm I'm almost 50. I know I don't look it, but I am. <laughs> Josh makes me look a lot younger on radio. There's a reason this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what's one thing that you wish people in my age group knew about you, about your age group, about, um, and again, I, I even hate to use the label, of Gen Z or millennial, but because that's what the podcast is about and we're trying to kind of capture, um, you know, maybe a, a whole different way of looking at life and that kind of stuff. But for somebody, you know, for someone who's listening to this, who, who is a, uh, a Gen Xer, what, what's one thing that you would want us to know that you don't think we might know? And you can jump in too. You're, you know, we've added someone to Introduce our panel. Introduce yourself. We've entered. Yeah, yeah, Who are right. you? How old are you? Yeah. Where are you so, from? This is now an eight-person podcast because it wasn't enough already. I love it. Uh, I'm Josh Taylor. I'm supposed to be editing in the background, but I have thoughts. <laughs> how old the are question you? was how old are you? Oh, I'm uh, 25 in December. Uh, you had to think about it. Yeah, I didn't okay. have to think. Same about though. It. Rounded up. He's 24. <laughs> Ish. Something that's been on my mind lately, involving all of this, having headphones on is freaking me out. Give me a second. <laughs> I'm hearing my voice twice. <laughs> um, I, I think there's this popular mentality amongst, um, I don't know, what generation? X. Generation, generation X. X. Yeah. Uh, like you guys said, one of them is like that the younger generation is either lazier or takes their time with stuff. I think another one of those things is that they just perceive that the 
generation below them is more frivolous with their morals. I'm trying to remember where I read this, but even a uh, CNN article that I read a couple weeks ago said that millennials <laughs> and Gen X's are actually like having less sex mm-hmm. and like premarital stuff than any generation that's ever come beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things that's just kind of being perceived. I think a lot of it, and this was a point I was going to bring up, for older generations, like my parents, who are like more baby boomers than Gen X, there's always been like um, structures in place. So like you would, you know, my parents didn't go to college, so you would work for a couple of years and then you'd find somebody and then you'd wait until you're financially stable to do anything, whether it be buy a house or um, get married, have kids or anything like that. And I think not necessarily for all millennials, but for at least I feel like in the church, in my point of view, um, being 21 and the concept of being married to me isn't that far off. I think a lot of it has to do with faith, like knowing that if you give your life and your marriage and you center it around God rather than around yourself or around your own um, devices and, you know, around money or your um, accomplishments and you trust that, I think that has a lot to do with it. Because, I mean, yeah, being financially stable would be nice and to be able to buy a house, but I'm going to get engaged to a pretty nice girl and I'm 21 and, you know, we'll, we both trust our life and do our thing. She just God happens to be sitting beside you. Mm. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> is this a new announcement? Uh, no, she knows. Oh, okay. But right. Man, I thought we were going to break something here. Uh, it's just kind of cute. I should have brought it with me. That the first uh, engagement on a podcast. Oh, that would have been yeah. cute. It crossed my mind. <laughs> one of the conversations. Did we just ruin it for me? No. I wish I brought it. I didn't have time to stop at home. <laughs> Hey, this is producer Josh from A Week Into the Future from when this podcast was recorded. Fun fact, Dylan and Hunter are now engaged. That's a little uh, fun note for you guys. All right, back to the podcast. Um, One of the conversations I've had with my parents about it has been you should be financially stable and all these things. And I mean, yeah, I think for an older generation, especially my parents grew up, right? My dad was born in 54. So that was after World War II, Mm kind of Cold War era where – you know, things were picking up and money was, you know, inflation and everything. It's not the same world as it is today. But I think for them, it was more of a structure thing. Like, you know, your mom and dad did it this way. You bought a house and then you got married. You know, you you didn't put things on credit. You didn't put yourself out there and stretch yourself out because it wasn't the smart thing to do, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, it, the world became more about money than about faith. I think just my point of view. Being able to trust it rather than trusting God and trust your faith and where he's guiding you rather than looking at something else like, well, my own, well, I could work more and make more money or something like that. I think that has a lot to do with it, especially for Christian young adults, I think, because um, I know a lot of people who are getting married really younger. And for you know older generations, that's kind of not unheard of, but not as common. So I think... <laughs> finding the right person and being able to trust your relationship rather than having more of a um, worldview of it as, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Just being able to trust God in it. And I think that has a lot to do with what Josh was saying about, you know, young adults aren't necessarily doing all of these immoral things that older generations think they do. I mean, I think with any generation, there's going to be some people, like even my parents' generation, when they were our age, they were probably doing the same stuff and just as lazy i think it's it's a seasoning thing you become more seasoned as you get older there's also this like um 
psychological idea of um, like every generation when they get to a certain age always thinks that the generation either one or two below them is doing something wrong Mm -hmm. when in reality they were just doing the same thing yeah they're they're doing the same thing they're just like they're just handling life the way that life works in that time period so like you you kind of touched upon it but like life is different for people our age now than it was for people growing up in our age in the 60s and 70s yeah i mean life is fundamentally different like technology politics the world that we live in is just vastly different i feel like you're always told like oh when i was a kid we didn't have we walked to school uphill both ways but like (laughs) in the snow without in the snow with no shoes yeah Yeah. but my life in the age that we live in wouldn't be the same if i were somewhere else like i'm supposed to be here technology has probably enhanced my faith more than anything and i feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of the older generations will think we're irresponsible we're lazy because we have an app that'll help us understand the Bible a little bit more mm-hmm. or Bible apps. Like you now it's you go into church and you're like, okay, pull out your phones and like scroll through it. And they think like that's just so against what we're supposed to be doing when I think it's just helped us a lot, especially going to college. It'll be interesting to see how the evolution of technology plays into that because as you guys were just saying, every generation says to the next generation, well, you need to be responsible. We were responsible. But if there was Facebook and Instagram from Woodstock, (laughs) like kids could pull up and go, really, mom and dad? Let's uh, let's take a look. Just because there's no pictures doesn't mean it didn't happen. Exactly. So it'll be interesting, you know, when we get to generation, what comes after Generation Z? We're done. That's the end of the world. Right, that's the end of the world. Jesus is like, they're out of letters. (laughs) <laughs> but when we get to Generation AA uh, or AD or whatever yeah, say, it is, is that where it starts? Um, Go backwards. You know, they'll have, you know, they'll probably have a digital record of yeah. what mm-hmm. was going on when their parents were. You, your kids will have a digital record of what you were doing at this age. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Because I think the previous generations, when they're, they're erasing, they're, they're rewriting history. They're forgetting their own youth. Mm-hmm in exchange for telling you what your youth should be like. So I was going to ask, you guys are all engaged in Sunday worship, but you're also doing the young adult connection worship. Mm -hmm. So aside from the age of the people involved, what do you think is the primary difference between uh, the worship setting on Sunday morning and the worship setting for the young adults connection in other words how if we were to merge those two things together like what are the differences that we need to look at more cowbell yeah and fog machine yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like how young adult is different is it's more like intimate you have like smaller groups of people where you can know everybody because coming in sunday morning you see like a handful of people that you know like you look around and there's so many people and you don't really know that many of them so it's nice going in and being like i know that person and like make like be intentional with people that you want to talk to and just gather that like close-knit group of young adults people like you yeah it's definitely more personable like we can fit i think we fit like 100 people in the chapel for a young adults connecting point and there's almost 2800 seats in the auditorium so seeing people that you know on a Sunday morning is good because you can engage with them, but it's in the middle of worship or in the middle of a service you can't really engage. There's no time before or after to 
sit down and have conversations. Like David's done a really good job of making sure that there's a worship portion and a message portion, but also a social portion of it where, because you get to interact with a lot of people because the age group is so vast. It's 11 years, 18 to 29. And having people who are in different stages of life, but in the same age group yeah. is really refreshing because it's really easy to get caught up in the, this is what you're supposed to do next when there's very unorthodox ways to do it. Like some people wait longer to get a job. Some people go to school longer. Some people don't go to school and they start a career earlier. Whereas on Sunday, we're all there for the same thing, which is to worship and to learn, but there's not the personable, like social aspect of it, not a formal one anyways. Mm-hmm. And I think that we experience that in other ministries that we have as well. You know, Celebrate Recovery mm-hmm. meets yeah. in the same space that you guys do. Mm-hmm. And so we also experience that same intimacy of worship. And even though it's a wider age, age range, because we literally have from 18 years old up to 80. Yeah. Um, but there's still that closeness. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to ask is when you're experiencing that, beyond the closeness of your peers, how does that more intimate environment affect your relationship with God? I think one part of it is you see, you meet other people who have similar interests and similar maybe problems that you have, you know, and you meet, you talk to them about those things and you get, you get to know them and you get to see what they're experiencing in their lives because adulting isn't easy and we're learning that the hard way because we're just so young but like they're experiencing that as well they're not having the easiest time with this whole adulting thing as much as i am you know and i think it's just an easier way to connect and easier like we have we have more things in common yeah i think it's a lot easier to interact with people our age and see different stages of life and get advice because it's going to somebody from an older generation whether it be generation x or like baby boomers they're gonna tailor their advice more towards their experiences, mm-hmm. which could be similar and, you know, if you went to college and stuff like that, but the time frame and the world that we live in is so different and the expectations are also very different. So being able to have a community like that where you can see how God is moving in other people's lives that are in the same boat as you essentially and are in the same circumstances in the same surroundings. Yeah, and like, I feel like going off of that, having the age group from 18 to 29 is kind of like you have people starting college and you have people getting married and having kids and it's kind of nice to have people between all those ages when you're in this like awkward phase of life where you're like what's next and you have like older people to look up to and like talk to but you can also help out the younger people and they can help you out i want to shift gears a little bit we talked about this last week with with david the technology (laughs) is is totally different for you guys than it was for us in that you you were born into technology and it's always been there and it will always be there whereas we can probably remember when the first computer came when the internet came you know that kind of stuff so what again i'm asking from a almost 50 year old man's perspective help those who are listening understand how technology how you interact with technology. Because one of the things that I hear a lot from people, and I do a lot of counseling is, is, and this is probably more for the Gen Z, um, my kid's on his phone all the time. My kid's online all the time. He or she can't disconnect. 
And that could be a bad thing, but it could also not be. So I guess what I'm asking you to do is describe for us what it's like to have lit, to have grown up and lived in the technology uh, being so rampant for somebody who remembers being told by their parents, go outside and get dirty and play in a tree and, you know, don't watch TV kind of thing. So that's a pretty open-ended question, but if you can draw a picture or a painting for us who did not grow up with technology being there all the time. So I kind of, I think it's probably similar for all of us because we're all the same age. Technology for us, I don't think really advanced to close what it is until probably we're 11 or 12. So like my more formative years was spent outside, similar okay. to you guys. And then as middle school started and, you know, the like preteen years, that's where technology kind of blossomed into what it is now where you know like search engines like google like you can take out your phone and look anything up whereas in the first probably 12 years of our lives i think it was not as easy i remember dial up so having something like that was a little bit more challenging but towards the latter part of our lives so far um, i think having technology and stuff like the internet is a double-edged sword where there's a lot that goes on on the internet and for someone who's younger and impressionable it might not be the greatest thing but I think from for all of us being Christians and young adult standpoint you can really turn it into a ministry like even stuff like this like I've listened to podcasts before on my way to school on my way to work and being able to reach a larger audience than what you can fit in an auditorium and having it also be personal um, a lot of people our age and a little bit older considered influencers and I think that is its own thing but even as a Christian it can really turn into a ministry to be able to be there for people and there is a certain disconnect that I feel like everybody needs to have that balance if you spend too much time online it can be bad I mean you um, the images that are put out there and of the ideal individual and even an ideal Christian in some spaces but being able to use that as an advantage rather than um, you know, get off your phone. I think if you can use that to reach out to people and even friends that you can't see all the time that live across the country or live a couple hours away, being able to create a ministry through the technology we have, I think has been really cool because it's no longer just spoken word in an auditorium or in a church on Sunday. It's, you know, we can record it and we can put it out there in a video format or an audio format for people to listen to wherever they're at, whether they're at the gym or they're doing homework or just want to have some time and listen to a message. It's convenient, but I think it's also like that new wave of technology is kind of where it's going. Like I think there's a need to go to church and be in a setting like that and have a community in person because it's a whole different experience than listening to something or listening to a message online. But being able to, if you go out of town and you really like your church or, um, want to listen to a podcast you can do that wherever you're at you don't have to like if we wanted the listeners to listen to this podcast we'd have a line out the door because there's not a whole lot of room in here <laughs> but being able to put this out and you know for people to relate to it i think is really cool and it's just a really great tool for ministry um for a lot of my like um growing up with my family and going to church i would i would call some aspects of technology a bit of a temptation mm -hmm. to um, to, to not fully invest into a community. Um, for 
the majority of my upbringing, we we went to church, but we had the option to um, disengage with communities and just stay at home and watch church online live. That was that we we were watching one of the first churches in our areas that would do live streaming. Um, so in that in that world, I think that the temptation to like completely disengage is relevant, and I think that that's something that can really be an issue for a lot of people um, our age, and I think especially people um, younger than us, because um, like Dylan said, we're uh, for a while there, like we really didn't grow up with an iPad in our hands. That's the Generation Z, like immediately below us. Like there's a huge difference between uh, me at 25 and my youngest brother who's 17 or 18 right now. Like we're mm -hmm. completely different personalities and I think a lot of that is due um, to like growing up basically with an iPad in your hands. And mm -hmm. I think that the, how you handle that generation is gonna be radically different than how you handle this lower uh, millennial upper Gen Z's. So like as technology is radically changing right now, but hopefully we'll get to a place to where things stabilize for a little bit once this younger Gen Z crowds, we start understanding how to uh, relate to them with technology, because that'll be the next frontier is how do you invest into those people's lives and uh, get to them either via technology or like get them off of their technology long enough to invest in the communities. Yeah, we're kind of in like a technology bubble where it's like every year something new. I mean, the iPhone's a great example where it came out and it was you had your music, you had internet, you had your phone, you had texting all on one device, and it's really skyrocketed too. You can pay with it, you can stream from it, you can do everything from your phone. And it, you know, for us growing up, the first 10 years, it was a lot of those things you couldn't do without a computer. Um, so like Josh was saying, I think there is a really big disconnect with it. And I think because we're in this technology bubble, if it stabilizes, like he was saying, that that's a way for to get kids off of their phone because it's always a new thing. And as humans, I feel like we're always drawn to the new thing mm. to, you know, whether it be in gaming or it be the next iPhone or iPad, you always want that new thing. Like that's the consumerism in us. I think whenever we get to a place where it levels off, that's where we'll really see a difference in generations because I agree with Josh. My um, youngest nephews are seven and nine. And that's how they've grown up with an iPhone in one hand and an iPad in the other and always on it and never really off of it. Whereas I think we're kind of that middle ground where, yeah, we have our phones and we can be on it if we want to, but we also grew up with the, hey, get outside, like talk to people and, mm. you know, don't completely disconnect. And I think from a ministry perspective, we'll do better as a church and as a body of Christ when we recognize technology as a language and a culture rather than something that is destroying society, right? Yeah. Like when, and I think I said this with David last week when we talked, was that when we send someone to Africa to be a missionary, the first thing we teach them is the language and the culture. Mm -hmm. And technology provides a language and a culture. So I think if we stop looking, I think some people say, oh, it's a tool. Well, it can be a tool, but it's also a language and a culture. And if we mm -hmm. start speaking that language and speaking that culture, then the way we use it will happen naturally. You know, so it's a small thing. But when I preach and I talk, okay, we're going to 
we're going to look at the book of James, I always say turn or swipe in your Bibles. Mm -hmm. Because I consider that to be the same as the person who is doing sign language. Right? Yeah. What what language are we speaking to each person? Yeah, I think for older generations, like I keep using the baby boomers as an example, but space was like that next frontier. And for, I think, our generation and the generation moving forward, really every generation that's alive, the technology has become that new frontier of how can you um, reach somebody or how can you speak to them in a language that they understand, essentially. Just going off of what Dylan was saying about, and what you were saying, Josh, about language, is it's you have to communicate things very specifically because there's a whole group of people out there that are trying to listen, but they're you they're perceiving it um, in the the language of the internet or the technology or whatever like that. Uh, and an example of that is that right now Alex and I are talking about how to um, work on like all of Brookwood's social medias in a way that like speaks the language of either young people or like whatever demographic you're looking for. And we've noticed like, like just changing little things about how you phrase stuff that's going out in public, like um, what you put on the thumbnail of your YouTube videos, like anything like dramatically changes how people interact with uh, the material putting out there. Um, so I think it really does come down to like learning how to speak like this visual language that a lot of people don't understand. And the question is, are we willing to learn that language? And I don't think that this is anything new. Like technology has sort of taken over the world, but this has happened with every generation. When the NIV translation came out, it was the end of Christianity. <laughs> people thought this is, this is the end. This is a whole new language. People are never going to be able to connect with God with it. If without the these and thous, God can't hear you. And we've learned as it's, as that plateaued, it's like, oh, no, you can connect with God with the NIV and then the NLT. That's interesting. So you feel like eventually, hopefully, the Internet slash technology will get to the point to where, like, it's generally accepted and people can communicate. But then there'll be something it. new. You yeah, know, there'll always you know, be something. Yeah, there'll be something else to complain about. I, that's the... That's that's what I'm looking forward to is eventually when the like the five of us when we're in our fifties we're going to be telling someone in their twenties that they're doing something wrong because yeah. oh you can't put microchips in your arm that's unnatural or something mm -hmm. stupid. Yeah. so I look forward to seeing whatever that is. And that kind is of, kind of unnatural, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, it would be for Eugene. <laughs> so let's let's have fun with language, and Josh, we'll start with you, and we'll work our way this way. Give oh, us going? yeah, we're gonna start with you. And David, you can join in on this if you want to. Give us a term that is unique to your age group and tell us what it means. Grandma, what if we? Uh, right. Sorry. What if we asked you guys? We'll give you a generation yes. Z Ooh, a word. term, like and you guys can guess. Oh my god, I love. Do you have a list? I'm pulling. I'm gonna. Uh -oh. I want to look one. I have one off. The top I have. Of my we head. have just we are, entered the octagon. We are. <laughs> Let's flip it on you guys and yes. have you guys answer. Uh, <laughs> Thought we were friends. Now. <laughs> and I'm not going to use my phone to cheat. Yeah, don't. No, nope, we're not going to yeah. cheat. I have. Oh, oh, we have Dylan has a word. Go for it. Well, it's a phrase. Oh. So if you were to call someone my guy, how what would you think that that would mean? It might just be me. I, I, feel like say, I think it's only me and you that say that. <laughs> no, other people say it too. I definitely say what my guy. It? Thank you, my guy. Josh. My guy. My guy. So the phrase like. Come on, my guy. Yeah, that's a good one. 
This one's pretty straightforward, hopefully. Friend? Yeah. I, w- I would say, yes. I'm going to go further. Is it like your best friend? You're like a close friend. Like someone you I see, can count on. See, I don't use on. it just for my close friends. Who do you use it for? I use it for anybody. I'm like, come on, my guy. Like in traffic, yeah. I'm like, turn, my guy. Oh, so it's a slang oh. word. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. can use it sarcastically. Use yeah. Ah. Yeah. I I'm learning. I this. use it more than just like. <laughs> yeah. Dylan, you're giving us words you don't even know. Yeah. I use it and I <laughs> say it to her and she gets <laughs> All right. All right. I got one. Ready? Uh, okay. What is a bop? Oh, yes. This is a good one. A B-O-P. What is a bop? We can use it in a sentence if you'd like. Yes, well, thank if you. you like, a, if you use it in a sentence, it gives away. This is true. It does give true. it away. This is like the spelling bee. I like this. You, word of word. B-O-P. Is it B-O-P. when you, you playfully tap someone's nose? That's a boop. That's, That's a, a boop. boop. Oh, a boop. That's a boop. B-O-P. Oh, oh, come on, though. I get. I was close. That was yeah. good. That was good. Okay. A hard hit? A what? A hard hit. If boop is a small What does that mean? Like, like hit if somebody hard. hits you hard. Oh. Not quite. Not no. quite. Oh, okay, that sounds close. No, not even close. No, no, okay, not, not at all. <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry. Uh, a bop is a uh, enjoyable song. He probably like, definition. Oh, I'm like this song's a bop. 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 See, we wouldn't have gotten that because there's a there's a song called <laughs> Mbop, <laughs> which is By not Hansen? which is not an enjoyable song. Oh, so nice. It's, what? It's not. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, you would if uh, if you were listening to a song on the radio with your friends. And, it, and the song came on that you all liked. You'd be like, "Oh, this song's a bop." This oh, yes. so this is educational. So yeah, lean back is a bop. Is a bop. Lean back me. is a bop for sure. It's kind of like saying yeah. this is my jam. Yeah, I was gonna oh, say synonyms. Okay. But it's a bop. Jam. Yeah. That's the yeah. new phrase. Yeah, right. okay. I still say jam. Who else has one? Let's give them an easy one. All right. Hopefully, this is. <laughs> if I give you the word bread. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's easy. I get this bread. Yeah, I get yeah, this bread. Get this bread. Yeah, <laughs> get this bread. Can you use it bread. in a sentence? It's one of the worst <laughs> phrases ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. It's with a Snapchat that. filter every bread. morning. Uh-oh. It's like get this bread, and get it's got a little bread. toaster. I honestly can't even define it. I have no clue. I don't know. Just take a guess. Just try. Usually, bread. <laughs> I'll just see a piece of bread. Just think. Let's get this bread. Get this bread. Let's get. You this wake bread. up in the morning and you're like, let's get this bread. Is it a devotional? That, that would be bread. really good. It's the daily yeah. bread. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. Yeah. That's I don't thing. want to say the, no, but the, yeah. the newest but no. thing. That'd be super cool. Let's start. Okay. okay. Future, money. Future money. Never mind. Future money. Let's get this bread. Let's go to work and oh, work hard today. Let's yeah. get this yeah, bread. Yeah. Okay. I got one more for you. Gene, you got two daughters, so I do. You should know what this means. So this is testing you. Your daughter's gonna beat you up for this. No pressure. This one, so beat your face. (laughs) Yes. I don't even know what this means. We like show someone that you know more than them. What? No. No. (laughs) It's a disappointing look from Dave. Here we go. I I can tell you, I like cake more than beets. Yes. (laughs) Apply makeup. Cake. Oh wow! I have one. That makes sense. Right. God wow. has given you one face and you I didn't know that. yourself <laughs> What What does it mean when you say that's the T? Oh, no. That's the T? Mm-hmm. I would say like something's really awesome. Like it's really exciting. You're on the right track. Yeah. Oh, okay. Kinda. At least I'm on the track. Or I don't know. Or spill the T. Yeah, spill oh, the T. Oh, now my daughters did say this the other day. No, you said this to me the other day. David, spill, spill and tea. Spill the tea. Spill the tea. 
Like David. Like, give me the information. Like, tell me what's going on. The gossip. Yeah, the oh, gossip. The 411. one. Four one one. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. All right. Yes. Let's spill the tea. Yep. Marissa's got one. It used yes. to be beans. Spill the beans. Oh, yeah, we used to spill the beans. Yep. Spill the tea. We spilled beans. Uphill both ways. Uphill. Both ways. All right. What is a snack? That's a good one. Yes. I'm going to go with pepperoni. I'm going with nutter butters. What's a snack? Yeah. That's a good one. Like a teaser? No. Mm. You've gotten more emphatic <laughs> like a, with your nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were being nice at We're first. about three questions away from you being like, wrong! Wrong! <laughs> Snack. Snack. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wait, you don't know this one? I didn't know that one. Uh, <laughs> I've never used it, this but I haven't either, this personally. Is, this is my favorite to use, ironically. Oh, so you've like, used it. Yeah, like he, told me. Exactly. he told me you knew it. Interesting. That's what every millennial yeah. says about what they're wearing or doing. I'm just doing it ironically. Yeah, if I use it in a sentence, I'll give it away. <laughs> yeah, so okay. what, what is it? Yeah, we all know. What's the actual like, definition? Tell them, Marissa. I don't know the actual definition, but it's just like... <laughs> it's like nah. someone you find a like attractive. Good. Like, oh, you look like, like oh, a snack. You look like a snack. You want to have that I snack? Can eat like, I look you like a snack today. This? It's pretty... <laughs> It's, oh pretty, it's pretty surprising I haven't heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to say, because Gene and I, if you're listening to this still, <laughs> then Gene and I look like morons. But, uh, so I just want to give you the visual that here in the studio, Gene and I are sharing a mic and trying to answer these questions. But... But all of our friends here are on their phones looking up. <laughs> their oh, own, looking up their own phrases. Yeah. That's the tea. That's the tea. Oh boy, guys, we're only halfway through this podcast recording, so I'm going to go ahead and cut it here for now. If you want to listen to part two of this podcast, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to our Brookwood Ministries podcast. That way you'll get alerted when the next episode airs. If you want to get in touch with our young adults ministry regarding when the ministry meets, or if you're feeling called to help lead that age group, then call David Wildman at 864-688-8289. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed week. We'll see you next time. Unpopular opinion. Oh, my favorite salad is if you hold all the greenery and add steak. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a steak yeah. salad. How do you like your steak? Hold the salad. salad. Medium rare. <laughs> That's good. Like I like mom. it to moo a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Oh, that's what my mom says. Yeah. I like mine overcooked. Yeah.